You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast. Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Well, this is a fantastic occasion. We have the chance of getting under the skin of the Pavilion 2021. And today we have Naomi Milgram of the Milgram Foundation, who's the founding person who set up the Pavilion in the Queen Victoria Gardens, and two architects all the way from Venice who have designed the eighth pavilion, the M Pavilion, in Queen Victoria Gardens for this year. I'd like to welcome you all to this fantastic event. Uh, before we start, I'd like to do an, an acknowledgement to country. Uh, so I acknowledge that I live, work and create on the stolen land of the people of the Eastern Kulin Nations. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty never ceded. I believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through as a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. I'd also like to do a little bit of uh, a background uh, description of the fantastic studio, Map Studio, who've designed this year's pavilion. So Map Studio is an architectural firm founded in Venice in 2004 by Francesco Magnini and Trouty Pelzel. The studio carries out public and private commissions, combining professional and research activities. The studio worked on architecture and town planning projects, feasibility studies, the restoration of existing buildings and new buildings. Much like my practice, I take on anything that comes my way. Um, also, I'd like to uh, uh, acknowledge the M Pavilion itself, and by association, of course, Naomi Milgram AC. So the M Pavilion is Australia's leading architectural commission and design event held in Melbourne. Each year, the Naomi Milgram Foundation commissions a temporary pavilion from a leading international architect to house talks, workshops, performances, and installations in the city oasis of the Queen Victoria Gardens. Built on collaborations, M Pavilion is a step beyond the museum concept. It's a cultural laboratory and utopian space, a container of ideas and new civic space that encourages design bait and cultural exchange. And I'd like to just point out that both uh, the MAP Studio has, in its short time of, of uh, being in practice, which started in 2014, have actually won a swag of awards uh, and congratulations to you guys because you've taken on just about everything you've taken on seems to have got an award. Um, and, and a lot of the work, of course, is in Italy. And also uh, we are, we, we, we're happy to report that, that the M Pavilion here in Melbourne has also received a lot of recognition in all sorts of ways. So here we are, 2021, and, and with the Pavilion about to open imminently in, in December. And... Um, we have, uh, a, a, importantly, a free program to the public with programmed events running up until March 20, 2022. So it's all about to take off. And so today uh, I'd like to uh, uh, take this opportunity to interrogate the whole notion of the pavilion and, and uh, discuss that with Naomi and Trudy and Francisco. So, Naomi, to kick it off, um, I'd like to ask you how you came about finding MAP 
why were they selected? Because there's so many good architects out there around the world to consider. Uh, thank you, Peter. Um, I, I'm really interested in the whole idea around collaboration. And as you know, the Empavidian um, is a tiny spoke in a wheel of many, many creative collaborators. So I was really interested in could I find a couple who work together and live together and whether that would expand their creativity or whether that would uh, constrict their creativity. Ah, and, I didn't know they lived together, you see. Now we're getting into, yeah. the, into the facts and figures. They, they do live together. And I started to talk to um, Sean Godsell, who um, built the very first M Pavilion in 2014, and I said to him I was really interested because collaboration for us is at the heart of the M Pavilion collaboration in everything we do. So how could I find a couple of uh, two architects who not only collaborated as partners in professional life but as partners in life? And he said he had this wonderful experience with um, these two architects in Venice who were a couple in life and who were a couple professionally, and he felt that... Um, they demonstrated the things about collaboration that were important to me. Um, I also thought it was very interesting that they could collaborate with nine architects to build nine tiny pavilions um, as a, a papal commission, which I thought, my goodness, if anybody can do that, if a, a couple of architects can do that uh, and still then stay in a partnership, they had to be fantastic architects. And, and also, I mean, that furthered the whole notion of collaboration as well for me, for them to be able to do that. And Sean had said that his experience of building that tiny pavilion as part of the Papal Commission with Trouty and Francesco was an extraordinary um, collaboration and he felt that they had a lot to offer in terms of the um, the whole idea of every M Pavilion architectural firm being unique in their approach to architecture and to how they demonstrated um, a language which they had and they'd built uniquely. Yes, and, and um, the, the, the idea of building uh, Trouty and, and, and uh, Francesco, the idea of building a pavilion is a very interesting building, isn't it? Um, they invite these these little gems, invite theory and research, more so than perhaps conventional buildings because you really have a very open brief. And I'd like to ask you um, a little bit about the pavilion type, which, which Naomi's just talking about, because uh, you have immersed yourself in a few pavilions. Not many of us have designed as many pavilions as you, you two have. Um, and starting with, I suppose, the Gunnar Aspen exhibition where, where uh, you're able to design quite a different looking building than we have here in Melbourne in the Queen Victoria Gardens. And, and I'm just wondering whether the, the idea of the, the, the light catcher here in Melbourne, as it's beautifully called, is an ongoing investigation into that the kind of the idea of light, um, which we see in the, the Gunnar Aspund uh, Pavilion, and, and whether that, that has helped drive the sort of design approach of this little pavilion, whether it's an ongoing field of interest for you. Well, uh, I start to say something about 
the the pavilion and the difference between Asplun uh, pavilion and like catcher. Uh, we in um, in both the pavilion we investigate the relationship between nature and uh, artifact uh, in a way. But uh, with Asplun pavilion, the this uh, investigation was was closer to try to imitate in a way nature with uh, all the shingles there were um, create a, a microcosm like uh, in the forest in the nordic forest instead here in the in the melbourne uh, queen's garden we investigate another kind of relationship between uh, man and nature but also how uh, the uh, activities of man uh, could be amplified and uh, in a way um, related to, to nature i mean uh, uh, it's um, this idea of a kaleidoscopic uh, element that is amplifying the activity of man it's uh, a way of uh, uh, remind to us that uh, the relationship between uh, man and nature is very fragile, is something that uh, we have to reinvent anytime. And this is uh, an idea, and I, 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 a kind of metaphor of the relationship between man and nature. And, and thank you, Trouty. And, and, and Francesco, um, Trouty just mentioned something which, which I think is quite salient, quite, quite interesting, in that, that, that this is not a conventional building in any way. It's a building talking to nature and location. And, and it's not a conventional building in the sense of the word. There's no, no shelter. It's not a shelter. Sun. Yeah. There's no defined rooms. Uh, and, yeah. and, and you've just described the building as a, a the light catcher as an attractor, which is interesting, like like, yeah. an, like a magnet. Uh, uh, what do you mean by this? And, and, and what are the main ideas behind this year's design? Is it about this this attractor concept? Yes, uh, um, we start uh, from the beginning with this idea of uh, a magnet in some way, and. Uh, working, as Traudi said, in an opposite way uh, as the previous experience we had. And uh, in some way, the, the M Pavilion uh, investigate a relationship between the, the, the natural scenario of the Queen Victoria Gardens in a kind of a opposition, but to find uh, a balance in some way. And also... From the beginning, we didn't work of uh, the idea of a shelter. Even uh, in the first uh, design, also we had a roof, but uh, finally we found that the, the stronger idea is this related with the, with the lighthouse. And what we felt uh, from uh, the beginning, absolutely, uh, as uh, Naomi said, in uh, the beginning uh, is this uh, 
feeling of uh, collaboration in some way. We had this very, very strong impression uh, from the M Pavilion, all the M Pavilion team. This uh, also related with this uh, very strong program all across the summer. And uh, and so we, we tried to investigate this uh, this relationship, a place that the people where the people can meet uh, um, as a lighthouse in a park in some way, but more than not than a shelter, but more than a, a magnet, uh, an attractor to feel also the life uh, uh, move around, move inside and. In a, in a different way. And also, uh, this idea to have a pavilion that is not a shelter uh, slightly uh, moved to an idea to have a stage uh, that is gathering the people around, uh, more or less like a total theater. Yes. And, and, and you'd be interested, both be interested to know that I drove past the structure this afternoon, and um, I took my eyes off the road as I was driving along because it is such an attractor. All the uh, aluminium panels were going in into the frame, and yep. it was sparkle-lark-larkling. It was, <laughs> it was certainly like a beacon or a lighthouse. Um, I went in there last weekend also and stood in the park and had a look at it, and the, the uh, angled reflective panels, only one had gone in, but now this afternoon they're just about all in. And as you say, it, it, it is a... Um, it, it is a big, and it will attract a lot of attention because it's a very mechanical object in a very natural setting. Um, so it's it's coming along well, and they've just started to install the kiosk, the yellow kiosk, the lid, the roof is on, um, and that beautiful yellow colour is like a canary. It just jumps out at you. So um, I'm pleased to report it's coming on well. Um, but, Naomi, uh, amongst the many hats you've worn, including being the past commissioner for Australia at the Venice Biennale, you know, and Australian architects are reasonably well-versed in the architecture of that place now because of the Biennale. But did you see any of MAP Studio's work in Venice? Because um, it's a place where it's a small place. And I'm wondering, uh, you're interested in the practice being a couple and, and working together and, and um, a recommendation from Sean in regarding the, the, the previous uh, pavilions. But it was did you uh, come across any of their work like the Nuova Tower in the Arsenale or the Balboni House, which is Carlos Scarpa's work. I'm wondering if that influenced your your um, position in terms of viewing Map Studio. Well, I did know the Porta Nova very well, obviously, but the the piece of architecture that actually influenced me was the bus stop. Oh, it is, it's, which is like <laughs> a, an upside-down box on a one leg. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes, it has one leg. but It's a good leg, though, I'd have to say. It's a great leg, and the inspiration for our legs is within the context of that bus stop. Yes. So, but I thought that bus stop was just one of the most beautiful spaces for public engagement that I'd ever seen. I thought the, the, the way it was lit was just like magic. Um, it's not... You know, when you imagine a typical bus stop or train stop or any sort of transport hub, you don't imagine anything as refined or beautiful or connected to 
I just thought it was a beautiful space that people could connect with. And it demonstrated that good design is really taking humanity into account for me because it it really showed that you could have a beautiful piece of infrastructure which people could be proud of and which could which actually could invite people to sit to look to wait um, it, that was really what held me um, to map studio and Trouty and Francesco it, it it's a magic magic piece of infrastructure for me Yes, it's, 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 it's like a big rectangle um, upturned and when you look at it at a distance, it's a, it's a big beam suspended on impossibly yes. on the one big concrete leg uh, and it sits near the Calatrava Bridge, I, I'd imagine, uh, just near, near where that crosses, at quite a different uh, budget on the two uh, pieces of, of infrastructure, I, I would be guessing. But um, uh, that looked like a, another little pavilion almost. It's another jewel that, that uh, Trouty and, and, and Claudio, uh, uh, Francesco, you can actually immerse yourself in and yes. so um it's, it's almost like another pavilion that little structure and uh, i was also really interested in um the uh, porta nuova because i was interested in the work that um Traudi and francesco were doing on um restoration and i thought that um, it, it's very important. We were starting to think at the M Pavilion quite a while ago about the whole idea of um, reuse, repurposing, reinvigorating spaces that a lot of people wouldn't think about for reinvention and how, how you actually manage to use what is part of the past but contemporise it. So for me that was another beautiful example of not necessarily um, only architecture, but the sort of people they were. And for me also the the sort of people that the architects we work with, their values is really important to the way we we want to work with people. We want we want to have aligned values and we want to be able to demonstrate that we actually care about the same things. Um, because I think that is a thread that connects all of the M Pavilion architects that really, they're, they're all architects that are actually thinking about people and how people interact with architecture rather than just building structures. Um, so that was also very important to me. And, of course, when I met them in Venice, it was obvious. And, and so, uh, Naomi, does that care that you're talking about and, and um, craft and um, uh, attention to detail, which, which, you, which you get from Map Studio. And it's, it was evident in those, those earlier projects you're talking about. Um, and, and the renovation projects you're talking about are certainly a large part of the portfolio um, of Map Studio. And, and um, interestingly, um, I'm wondering, this is a question, uh, Trouty and Francesco, that, that often those renovation projects are one facade and, if you're lucky, an interior to go along with it. Um, and, and I'm wondering if you find buildings in the round, uh, freestanding buildings, easier or more difficult to design? <coughs> but I think... Uh, <coughs> Uh, the the renovation project uh, uh, are a great uh, um, challenge, a great uh, gymnasium in some way, because um, you have to find uh, 
uh, in every situation, in every occasion, uh, a very delicate balance between uh, uh, the, the history coming from the past, what uh, the building uh, uh, is telling or is uh, able to telling uh, yet to, to the contemporary life and to bring uh, contemporary activities. But you have to find a, a, a very difficult balance. So you have to never stop to question uh, yourself uh, about every choice you are going to do. And uh, I think this is very a very rich um, experience that also is very useful to bring when you design a new building. Because um, it's an attitude, no? in yes. some way, in which you, you train. And uh, I don't know if uh, it's more difficult one <laughs> kind of project or other. I think uh, as, uh, as um, Naomi said, uh, to put uh, this attitude to take care in every experience you have, every experience you did, is, uh, is need a lot of energy and not a lot of uh, attention, a lot of... Uh, and this is also the very interesting of uh, our work. Uh, yes. Driving this uh, in this way, in some way. And also, I don't think there is a big difference between, uh, in a way, between uh, a new building or a restoration, because our attitude is to start to reading very carefully the context. The context is something that is not only material, it is something that is in a wide sense. And so uh, we are coming from a school of architecture in which... Uh, Uh, these aspects were uh, very uh, long investigated and uh, I think is uh, something that is now is very uh, deep in our, in our work. And uh, uh, in a way, it's, uh, with the project, you reinterpret uh, reality. Uh, that could be existent, but uh, also when you are doing a, a new building, there are always something that is pre-existence uh, to this building, like uh, the the tram the bus stop, uh, the tram stop in Piazzale Roma. It's um, it's a new building in a very delicate context because. It's a kind of uh, messy context with a lot of uh, traffic uh, things that are going back and forth. And um, we wanted to uh, have a, a place for the rest, a place that was uh, uh, more or less like catcher, something that people can recognize and can... Uh, Um, see from different points and uh, a place that uh, is uh, um, calling in a way that uh, for, for the people, that the people can reach and go there and find uh, a shelter, something that uh, can be uh, recognizable 
uh, at the site. Exactly, Trudy, and 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 um, that that um, the craft that goes into those the work you do, whether it be renovation, restoration, or new program. Um, there's a there's a, 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 a sort of a, a tectonic approach you've got in your work, looking at your portfolio, uh, which I think uh, uh, Naomi you've recognised, and I see I see a synergy with Scarpa and Aalto, and I'm wondering because Scarpa's got so much work in Venice, whether that craft, attention to detail, the the way materials rub shoulders together, uh, whether that's been an influence on your work. Yes, uh, um, in, uh, it's, uh, we had this experience to do a renovation of uh, Carlos Scarpa house. Um, we finished last year, so unfortunately it was not possible to visit it with Naomi, but we are waiting for her for the next time in Venice, maybe to visit together. But, Thank you, um, I can't wait. <laughs> is, uh, was in some way difficult because uh, you have to find uh, the artisans that are still able to do this kind of uh, finishing surface that Scarpa did during uh, his uh, his life and his activities and was uh, a very strong worker in a strong connection with the artisan also to reinvent uh, something coming from the tradition in a new way. Um, Yes, I think uh, living in a, in a place like Venice or in a, in a country like Italy and also having this kind of architecture very near uh, is something that teaches us uh, to, to, um, to play attention uh, on the meaning of, uh, of the detail more than uh, the way to do that. Because uh, uh, also in this uh, this approach and this uh, way to solve also the the the, the minimum detail of uh, of a design um, is uh, something that tell a lot of things about uh, the 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 result of uh, of the work uh, about Carlos Carpa. For example, I, I uh, always re uh, remember this uh, when uh, he worked to do the, the stucco, the Venetian stucco on the surface, on the colored surface on the wall. Um, he, br he usually bring to the artisan uh, some images of Mark Rochko painting. Uh, searching to do in some way the same, that, that to search to to realize the the to, or to find the deep on a surface uh, using the color and reinventing the tradition with uh, with this artisan. And this is, uh, I think, is very interesting attitude of uh, coming from, for example, Carlos Carpa work, as you say, this attitude to reinvent. Uh, uh, also, material coming from the tradition, I think, is a is a right attitude of uh, for an architect. Yes, yes. So, as a point of reference, you can refer back to that that um, aesthetic uh, and and bring some reference to the scheme. Um, was 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 the, was the concept of the light catcher difficult? Given Naomi's brief, which is 
pretty open. I'm, I'm, I, you have a, a bubble you can operate within, a footprint. And and I think Naomi, you've you've the the team did a few iterations of of the design. Uh, I understand it was what five or so uh, different designs. And I'm just wondering how you know how the the, the current scheme was selected. Uh, was it a difficult birth or a troublesome birth? Um. I think that Trouty and Francesco presented um, a few options, as most of the architects have done, um, and, and we discussed um, what the merits of each one and how we thought that would fit in the gardens. And the light catcher was quite extraordinary from the very beginning because it took a dimension which we hadn't explored with the M Pavilion, uh, which was height. So It's just the highest... Pavilion so far, the tallest. Oh yes, by a long, by a long way. Is there any limit to the height, Naomi? Well, How high can they go? Funnily enough, um, Sean's one of Sean's designs was thirty meters high, <laughs> which we thought we um, we wouldn't go quite that high, um, and so we chose an alternate design <laughs> for Sean's. But in this case, it was always around the ten meters high. And we felt that this would explore other things that we hadn't explored before. And, again, I would always say we needed to um, put forward a unique design that expressed some, each pavilion had to express something different and materiality was different. So for this one to have reflectors within the context of its height as well, reflecting the sky and the buildings and the garden, the trees, everything around, was a completely different way of looking both at the gardens and the pavilion. So um, the light catcher was uh, an easy choice. Um, and, yes, canary yellow happens to be a very good colour as well. Um, I think that, you know, Melbourne being Melbourne, we've always said that we had to have a had coffee offering, and I think the solution here has um, been a terrific solution. Some architects have embedded that solution into the building, into the grassy, grassy knolls or the mounds, but I think this picking the colour and the shape in complete contrast to the light catcher, which is, you know, highly disciplined, gridded, um, and then to have this little pop of yellow roundness I think is very beautiful. So, um, no, the choice wasn't hard at all in answer to your question. That's Pete, good because so. I, think, I think a lot of people are wondering how much wrangling goes on behind the scenes, how much arm wrestling to decide on the scheme to go ahead um, and and because uh, no one gets to see that. But, but it is interesting to know that a number of schemes are developed you workshop those and go on the one that's universally accepted. Uh, uh, a little footnote there on the colour. Uh, which is canary yellow. There's one other piece of infrastructure in Melbourne like yours, which is oh, very yeah. famous. It's yeah. a piece of sculpture next to a uh, Australian as a museum here, not far from your, where, where your structure is. And it's it's a sculptor called Russell Robertson Swan, and it's the same yellow. And it's it's picked up a a um, a, a, a name. We call it a moniker, which is like a, a nickname, and it's called the Yellow Peril. Uh, and I wonder whether your pavilion will get a similar uh, moniker labelled against it. We'll see. Um, so, uh, Naomi, it, it, you have an incredible um, background in the arts. 
which you've already mentioned a little bit tonight, um, you're invested in so many different areas of, of, of creativity, fashion, music, photography, all these arts carry, carry a, 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 an understanding and a, and a commitment to. Um, and, and the M Pavilion seems to me to draw a lot of these creative fields together. And, and I'm just wondering what fascinates you about making architecture the receptacle for all these creative pursuits. No one else has done this. No one has brought, the, brought all the arts together, all these fields that you have interest in, and, and put it in a, in a signature piece of architecture. What is it about architecture and why the M Pavilion to, to hold all these events in? Um, I started to think about the fact that architecture and design drove an enormous part of the economy and contributed widely to employment in Australia and why then wasn't there any support for architecture and design which contributed so largely to um, our economy. And I started to think about you know, I mean, from a personal point of view, I'm interested in design and architecture and I have been all my life and um, I, I'm, I'm known to say that nothing makes me happier than a set of plans. Um, but You would have seen a few of those pass over your desk over the years, I'd imagine. Yes, definitely. Um, but I think that, you know, I think we're growing in our understanding of how much design and architecture contributes to our life, not only economically, but socially, culturally and emotionally. And I think that COVID has made us so much more aware of what it means, architecture means. I mean, if you think about how many people were constrained during COVID, who didn't have the opportunity to have backyards, who couldn't go out for more than that one hour a day. What did looking at the four walls mean to them? What could it have meant to them if people had thought about architecture and design and how people are living? What aspect would you have turned a house to if you understood that you have to spend all day there? Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of learnings over COVID around um, architecture and design and how it does dominate our lives and how to the design and architecture can actually improve our lives. So we, I started to think about this a long time ago um, and then thought, well, how can we make, how can I make a contribution to architecture and design which can demonstrate to the public that architecture and design is not some rarefied thing out there, but it is something that affects our lives. I mean, if you imagine any building, and there's a lot of examples of this all over Australia, where you don't look at the backside of a building and you don't interpret it in the context, as Trouty says, of where it is and what it is, and there are many poor examples, you, you, you have to start to think about why didn't I think about what the context was and how important that context is? And, you know, all of these things led me to believe that there was a real need to have this discussion around architecture and design, what it means to you as an individual, what it means to your family, what it means to your workplace. I mean, my office, which I did, I don't know, 15 years ago, I wanted to shift the paradigm about what an office actually was like 
I wanted it to be a place where people could see green, where people could be connected to the river, where people could actually have light. We, we're much healthier. I mean, there's a lot of examples, a lot of data and a lot of research around the fact that if you have a healthier environment, it is good for your mental health. It is good for your physical health. And, you know, I started to think about why were these two disciplines, which were so formative in the way we live, why were they not considered important enough? Um, and why weren't they getting any traction outside of generally just the profession? So for me, it was expanding the reach that architecture and design has. It was questioning the role of design and architecture, opening the debate around design and architecture. And I guess the pavilions are a light touch in that area. You, 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 you understand that there's a type of building. You understand it's in a park. You understand that it feels good, but you actually don't understand why it feels good. And it feels good because it's a perfect solution in each case to the question of gathering. So and pro program, it's also the gathering, the reason for gathering. Yes. And, and that, that talks to the rich program you have this year. And I've had a look at the program. It is jam-packed with diversity, richness. Um, you, if, if you can think of a, an arts event, it's going to happen at the M Pavilion this year. Now, I mean, you, would you like to mention a few of your favourite things that are coming up this season? I've actually got Jen Zielinska sitting right next to me and she is the creative director and the program is her her gem, so it's over to her. <laughs> What's going to happen that, that's turning you on this year, Jen? Uh, well, MAP Studio are actually participating in January with uh, a seven-day studio with Melbourne School of Design and the Venice Studio where we have 20 architecture studios across the globe um, contributing. And in that sense, we're turning the pavilion itself into a mini architecture studio um, where students can join uh, online. I've had a look at the invitation list and it is awesome. If you follow architecture and you have a hero, they're going to be at that event. Absolutely. We have um, a, a salon taking place in April where we'll transform the uh, pavilion into a beauty salon and question the role of design and beauty in, um, and safe spaces. Uh, we're kicking off on the 3rd of December with Melbourne Music Week where uh, the pavilion will be a mini festival for the weekend um, and we'll have a huge kids program in January also for the school holidays. So Trouty and, and Francesco, I think you better come out here for a few months. I think you'll be engaged full time for a few months. So when are you coming out? Tell us, tell us when you hope to arrive and when you hope to leave. Well, we're hoping we can bring them out next year sometime yeah. because at the moment Australians coming back is the priority for the government. So um, we're hoping we can as soon as we can bring internationals in, Peter. So that might be towards the end of the program, perhaps February, around that time. Yeah, as soon as we can. Yeah, beautiful time of year here. And um, I can tell you that the pavilion is sparkling. It looks fantastic from my viewing today. So it, 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 we're getting to the, towards the end of our session and um, I'm just wondering if you had a thought, Trouty or Francisco, where the pavilion might end up. I mean, you probably don't know Melbourne that well, 
But um, Naomi and I were having a chat before we came to where about where it might go. So the Milgram Foundation has a wonderful past in donating, gifting the pavilion to various organisations and non-for-profits um, all around Melbourne and they've ended up in really good homes. So part of the the, the whole notion is that the, the, the pavilions are transportable and they are re, able to be rebuilt in another location. And um, I just wondered, had you had a thought about where you might like to see it go in its second life? No, we, we, we know that uh, also this was... Um a very important theme to consider um, in relation of the way to build in some way. And so for that, we we, we work uh, also to considering this kind of precast element, uh, uh, also using a concrete for the... For the for the supports uh, and uh, how you can uh, assemble and disassembling the, the, the steel frame in some quick, quick way. It's very interesting this uh, this aspect of uh, of M Pavilion that uh, is not uh, his life is supposed to be not just for for five months uh, inside Queen Victoria Gardens, but also to have another life in another in another site we had the, the opportunity to visit two of them when uh, we came to melbourne two years ago and uh, the the omar one and the monash university and uh, the other in the docklands made by uh, uh, the Amanda Levitz. Yes. Amanda Levitz. Yes, well, and uh, the 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 interaction of, of this uh, of this uh, pavilion uh, with the with the public spaces was uh, was absolutely great. Uh, so to 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 have a second life, I think. So and somewhere uh, where there's 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 going to be people, and they can um, it's going to get a lot of um, traction with uh, through traffic and participation is what you're hoping. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. and I think I think it would be wonderful, Peter. You and I talked about a particular spot, and the more I thought about that spot, which um, it's called Speaker's Corner. Yes, Speaker's Corner. But I, I was thinking about it in terms of the reflectors, and in terms of if we could get it reflecting the river. I think mm. we really mm. cool. well. You have the It'd be um, very interesting. The, yeah. You have the. Um, uh, the sculpture by Deborah Helprin uh, on the water, which yeah. is on a slight promontory. It's a beautiful, big, most, a very um, Gaudi-esque sculpture. It must be, I guess, uh, eight metres tall uh, on a promontory overlooking the water. And, and a, 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 another companion piece to that <laughs> would be fantastic on the Yarra because the Yarra is such an iconic piece of water. Yeah. And, and, in fact, the Queen Victoria Gardens is very close to the Yarra. So... Um, Perhaps um, we can all do a stroll through the the uh, the garden, uh, through Speaker's Corner and Birrarung Ma, as it's called, um, when you come out early next year. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a terrific chat. Can't wait till it opens and hopefully we'll see you in the pavilion early next year. Yeah, really Thanks, hope to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank really you. hope to come. Bye, Francesca. Thank, thank you. Totally. Ciao. You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast. 
conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.